Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Hunt Lift Deep Podcast. I'm your host, Luke, rolling here with the original co-host, Perry. What's up, man? Man, two podcasts in two weeks. Feels good, brother. I know, you're like fully back on now. We need to bring you back on as a, as a semi-regular. Yeah, I'm all about it, man. Well, it worked out right before we hit record. I was saying that you're probably the, the right one anyways for this guest since Carter calls sports, sports ball. Because uh, we've got Josh Walker, formerly of the Green Bay Packers, a couple other teams, and uh, originally from Ray County, Tennessee. What's going on, man? Man, life's good on the mountain, man. You know, I got no complaints. Beautiful weather. September's right around the corner. It's a, uh, it's a good time to be alive, man. Yeah, it is. Yeah, Josh and I met via Instagram, I don't know, probably six eight months now ago and just started chatting fortunate enough to meet in person in salt lake city at the western hunt expo and then kind of been palling around at some of the same events and been talking about doing a podcast episode so we're real stoked and i think it was at the cba we realized that not only did we play football in the same area uh, in high school that we actually physically played against each other so pretty fucking small world really cool and so i'm just stoked to kind of unpack this one man yeah, likewise. And like you said, you know, not just played against each other. I, I would, you know, there we had to have hit. Like, you were a linebacker, I was an old lineman. Like, it, you know what I mean? That's the craziest shit. It's insane. Well, and I remember that game because my coach would move me down to nose tackle when we played those fucking big old boys. <laughs> and uh, and so, like, I, yeah, I definitely played nose guard, like, physically against you. No, 100% <laughs> we hit each other probably every play that game. Probably uh, so, <laughs> We were man. on the field, man. And, you know, it's <laughs> like, I'm not just from Ray County. One, y'all motherfuckers talk trash, like, absolute crazy. And you big as shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's the country for you, man. Ray County is like that perfect blend of like just athleticism and big old corn fed boys. Like it was was a tough game. So yeah, it was just small world shit, man. It's crazy. We linked up and met, you know, learned this shit and uh, in Colorado of all places. And, you know, so it's cool when you meet somebody from, you know, you don't meet a lot of folks from East Tennessee, especially out here in Colorado. That's a fact, man. You're you're hundred percent correct, man. I, uh, you know, I can count on one hand the amount of people that I've met from East Tennessee, met a couple people that, when I mention Middle Tennessee to them, they'll say, oh, I'm from uh, Hendersonville. I'm from, you know, somewhere towards the middle. But as far as East Tennessee, man, you don't you don't come across it that much. Definitely not. So let's just start there, dude. Like, did you come up, you know, being from Ray County? Did you grow up in the Whitetail Woods? Were you, were you hunting or were you so – like me, I stopped hunting a lot once football got serious because obviously it can flick. So, like, what did your kind of upbringing and hunting look like? Oh, man. So I got started – so I grew up on 36 acres of land and – uh Literally, the way we started, my dad, he used to run a, a machine shop out of the garage, and he had an employee. His name was Dick. And uh, every Saturday, he'd come over, stop at the gas station beforehand, and get some uh, bologna biscuits, tenderloin biscuits, all these different biscuits, bring it over. We'd sit out by the fire. We'd start a fire in this old rickety fire pen, whatever you fire, whatever they're called, you know, a big round thing to put the fire in. And uh, we had overlooked this field. And uh, the deer liked to cross it. And, you know, when they did, if I had an opportunity, I'd shoot one. But, you know, as far as getting the bug for hunting like I have now, I don't really know how it it happened because what I started out doing wasn't very serious, man. You know, it was to put meat in the freezer. It was, you know, hopefully a deer comes out in this same field, you know, one of these weekends, you know, before it's over with and I get to shoot it. But, uh, yeah, I've been I've been a hunter my entire life, man. Some of my earliest memories are, you know, shooting squirrels and shooting rabbits. I mean, from the time I could hold a gun, I've been in the woods. and uh. Even when I shouldn't have, you know, you know, in the National Football League, we'll probably get to that. But uh, I hunted probably more than I should have, even in the league. But uh, 
yeah, man, I, I can't get enough of it. Grew up hunting whitetails and ducks and squirrels and all that type of stuff, man. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, that's it's funny, the sitting on a field just seeing if something comes out. That was kind of how Perry and I started. You know, it was serious, but it wasn't. You know, it was like right. we're, we're going to hunt, and it wasn't until later in life where I realized how bad I actually was at hunting. You know, <laughs> like I went to hunt like my first public land for whitetail, and I'm like, oh, I've been hunting. I've been killing whitetail deer my whole life, and I just like worked <laughs> my ass off to kill a doe for an entire season in Tennessee. I was hunting uh, on Fort Campbell, actually, up there in Middle Tennessee. Oh, yeah. So, like, got smashed guys around me are smashing these just beautiful I, campbell's got wonky genetics so there's just huge deer killed out of there every year and i killed like a freaking 75 pound doe and was so excited <laughs> <laughs> how far is that from land between the lakes oh shit like 45 minutes i want you oh to really to, yeah i went up to lbl all the time when i was stationed up there okay that's cool man i've heard they uh is a rumor true about i think they got white feet up there the deer apparently the deer have white feet in lbl some of them I've never, i'm not sure I never hunted in LBL, so I'm not sure, but I know they've, they've reentered. They have elk there now, uh, which is really cool, but they're not, you can't hunt them. I think eventually they, they hope to be able to have a huntable population, but it's a beautiful area. Okay. Yeah. Kentucky's elk are doing really good, man. They got a lot of their, uh, a lot of their first elk came from Arizona, right? So they got those big framey genetics and uh, their, their elk are doing really good up there or down there. Yeah. One of man. our buddies just drew the, one of the cow tags out there, which is cool. Oh, that's badass, man. Yeah, he was he was actually saying the other day. Well, actually, uh, the other month, a few months ago, I was talking to him about the elk in Kentucky, and they were talking about they think the next world record is going to come out of Kentucky because, like you say, those you know those genetics they are so good from that population they pulled from, and there's some absolute hammers up there, giants, and they're doing it the right way as far as how they're allocating the tags because it seems like they the really population are. just keeps growing, man. Well, and Virginia has adopted a similar model. They just had, you know, this is the second year of Virginia's elk lottery in Pennsylvania and Tennessee. I mean, all these, a lot of these Eastern states are starting to go with that same kind of approach. And man, I'm, I'm here for it. I would love to shoot an East coast elk. Oh man. How cool would that be? I just got the, uh, the email today saying that there's uh, apparently a couple raffle tickets are going to raffle off. Apparently there's only 15 tags this year in Tennessee. And if they're raffling a few off and it's like 20 bucks for a ticket. So I got a couple tickets, uh, but that would be badass to shoot a, a bull elk in Tennessee, man. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that would be like a dream. Any of those States would be, would be awesome. Actually on the, it was last year, right? Perry, the first year for Virginia. Yeah. Last year was the first one of another, one of our guys, uh, Jack Rass. He was one of the first, actually, I think he killed the first. He did legal. Yeah. The first drawn bull he elk did. in Virginia. He killed Ooh, that thing. It was crazy. That's pretty awesome, cool. Man. Yeah, it was a it was a kick ass story. He uh, we had him on the podcast uh, several weeks ago, and he kind of ran through all that. It was a it was a sweet experience. That's awesome, man. I didn't even realize they were already uh, letting people hunt in Virginia. That's cool. Yep. So it's actually kind of wild. Uh, I don't know. Do you know this, Barry? That if if there's a, there's a handful of counties where they like they targeted the reintroduction. If they come outside of those counties. Yep, and you're on, and you have a white tail deer tag. Like yep. you shoot, them. you can. Oh, you, you shoot have to, them. You have to be a licensed hunter. Yep, that's you have to have a white tail deer tag, and you just yep. stick your tag on a. I mean, could you? I mean, it's probably it's rare. I don't think it's happened very often because they don't wander too far out of the out of coal country. But you're just sitting there in your tree stand, and a bull walks by. <laughs> right, that'd be yeah, that'd be nuts, man. I mean, I wonder and what how, the theory is of that. Like, why? Why? I, I wonder what the theory is on that. They don't want them to compete with the deer in certain. I, I don't understand that, but they know more. I than don't. Me. 
Yeah, I don't know the ins and outs of it, so I'm probably going to get this mostly wrong. But my understanding is the way that they the way that they manage the populations, it's it's the I'm I'm guessing it's tied to the funding, right? This is mm. you know it all comes back to money, and so I'm guessing that funding is allocated for certain specific areas, certain specific counties, and it gets beyond that, and it's kind of like it, you know, it's just out of their jurisdiction. I got you. Okay. Yep. Yeah, that would make sense. Well, shit, dude. Let's roll into uh, you know, I think the stuff that our listeners want to want to hear about, which is you know your your career going through football, and I really am interested in how you balance that, right? You know, I peaked in high school, stopped growing, I was done, uh, and so I, you know, but even just juggling juggling hunting as I came up through college and all that gets it gets a little crazy. So, how playing you know collegiate ball, going to the league, what did that journey look like, both you know on and off the field? Yeah, so it wasn't uh, – I didn't get to hunt a whole lot. So, uh, you know, all the way through high school – let's put it to you like this. So, in high school, I had no dreams of going to the NFL. I'm just going to tell you, I had no idea it was going to happen. I'm just going to be real with you. Until my junior year, I remember at one point, we were about halfway through the season, I was like, damn, like this – like I don't lose much. <laughs> like I'm feeling pretty good out here. <laughs> like You know what I mean? It wasn't – and especially now that I've watched the tape I've watched now, I go back and look and I was just big and strong and mean. It wasn't that I was a technician. I was just big. You know what I mean? But point is, is back then I was like, damn, you know, maybe I can go play college ball. And, you know, I'm not going to shit on my uh, high school coaches, but I will say this. I didn't have a whole lot of help from the standpoint of spreading my film and stuff like that. All right. So that was all me going in. You know, I'm sure, you know, Corals, I'm sure he had it all dialed in for you guys. Right. When you got guys like a Doug and I, those guys coming through and but like me I'm sending out tape in a manila envelope you know what I mean just because I think I might have a chance man and matter of fact put it to you like this the first grown man decision that I would say I made so going into my junior year you've got to pick you got to go to the guidance counselor's office and you've got to pick between the elective path or the university path if you take the elective path that's you know your collision repair your welding your wood shop things like that to kind of set you up for a two-year type of a deal uh, you know, and if you take that path, you're not going to have the credits to get into a four year school. So I go home and I'm telling my folks, I'm like, what should I do? You know? And they're like, they basically laughed. Like, I mean, we ain't no way we're going for for you to go to a, a four year school. So you might as well, you're going to go to Chattanooga state, you know, at best. So I would go with the two year. So next day I go in there, I'm in the guidance counselor's office, twiddling my thumbs. I'm bouncing the pen off the table. Cause it, you literally just circle it. Like, whatever you want, you circle it. And I'm sitting there like, this is a huge decision. And I hit university, you know, kind of went against what they were saying because I was like, I think I, could, I think I could do it. So, sure enough, I did it. And, you know, senior year, it was cool. You know, uh, in third period, the the teams would come to the field house and you'd get called out of third period. Oh, we need Josh Walker to the field house. So, Georgia Tech, right, such and such is down here, right, to talk to him. And, you know, I was like, damn, like, I think I can – I think I can play. So, long story short – I signed with Middle Tennessee mainly because, number one, it was two and a half hours from home. Number two, I had a really good buddy of mine that played on the offensive line. You played against him, Luke. His name's Brandon McElroy. Uh, he actually – I know that name, yeah. Yeah, dude, he played as a freshman at Middle Tennessee. He did not redshirt. Really good offensive lineman. And anyway, you know, I was obviously going up there. He was a good buddy of mine. I was going up there while I was in high school and going to the little parties at Middle Tennessee. He was showing me all the stuff, and I'm like – I'm going to Middle Tennessee, man. <laughs> My boy McElroy's here. I'm right down the road. Went to Middle Tennessee. Don't regret it to this day. But uh, as far as the hunting goes, uh, a couple guys on the team hunted. I got to hunt a couple guys' uh, families, farms, and uh, did a little bit of public land grinding, but nothing like what I wanted to do. And then uh, transitioning into the NFL, 
So the way it works is on Tuesdays in the regular season, that's your quote unquote off day. Now, when you're a young guy, you still need to go in because they still take attendance in the weight room. So it's an off day, but it's not like Tuesday's kind of like up. You know, if you're an older guy, you kind of not come in. But as a younger guy, you probably need to get your ass in there. So, you know, the older I got, the more I'm like, damn, like I'm going hunting, man. And even on Mondays, uh, Monday was a short day, right? That's the day after the game. So we come in and we do a walkthrough. We uh, we meet, obviously break the film down with a fine tooth comb. Uh, we work out. And this is the day after the game. So even if we are, say we're in Green Bay and we play Oakland, and it's a primetime game. Okay, we're in Oakland. That's you're losing or you're gaining two hours of time, but the game starts at seven. So let's say we get done at nine, ten o'clock. Well, that's 11, 12 o'clock Green Bay time. So say we get home at 3, 4 a.m., you know, we, we're still back in the building at 9 a.m., getting ready to roll, walk through, work out, all that stuff. And uh, But the good thing is it was fast. So you're, we're typically done about two o'clock. So I always chose where I lived. Based off hunting, I'm just telling you. Obviously, proximity to work, but proximity to hunting, so it was quick, so I could get out there and get it done. So I could get in those Monday afternoon, Monday evening hunts just because of where I lived. I lived right on uh, the Fox River, essentially, in, in Green Bay, and I would slip out and get to do some duck hunting. And when I was in Jacksonville, I lived in Fort the Fort Carolyn area, so I was on the intercoastal. So I dropped my skeeter down in the water about every other day, and I'm catching redfish, man, because it's just – like that, to me, that's where I find peace because, as y'all probably understand, the rigors and the stress, and I'm not bitching about it, but, you know, all the stuff that comes on, you know, with the NFL life, you know, if I can go out on the boat by myself and just not hear anything but that cork and that shrimp pit in the water and watch that red sink that damn thing, man, or that that jack or that flounder, whatever it is, man, that gets me ready for that that work week. You know what I mean? And, uh you know, this is kind of going down a rabbit hole, but a good buddy of mine and a really, really good football player, his name's Brandon Linder. He played for, for eight years there in Jacksonville as their center. So when you go to a new team, you kind of just keep your head down and grind. Like the last thing anybody wants, and when I say anybody, I mean guys who've been on a team for a while, you don't want a new guy to come in and be all chummy and, hey, guys, what's up? Like, that's the last fucking thing you want. So my point is you kind of keep your head down and don't talk. You're just in your iPad all the time. But anyway, going back to why I was talking about Linder. So the first time we spoke, we were in the meeting room and I had just got there two weeks before I, I got my boat delivered to the facility. I'd only been there two weeks, but I'm like, I need my boat. So I got my boat delivered. So we get done with a meeting and uh, we're going to walk out. He said, Hey man, was that your boat? I was like, hell yeah, that's my boat. And we just kind of had that man moment. Like, all right, <laughs> like, <laughs> like he's got a boat. Like this ain't just no, you know, some dude that's like, yeah, I fish and he's, bluegill fish in some pond and there's nothing wrong with that but uh you know what i mean like i got my boat delivered and he's like oh shit all right so that's one of my best friends to this day man and, and like i said we, we first kicked it off just by him being like was that your boat out there and i'm like hell yeah man <laughs> but uh yeah man it's just been a really important part of my life for a real long time and now i get to do it in the amount that i want to and uh it's just been really fun man i don't know what i'd do without the outdoors man i don't know how many guys in the league would you say? I mean, how many teammates and and just you know folks around the league are are active outdoor enthusiasts? You know, fish because I mean, I, I just imagine that it's such a, a time consuming career, especially more, during the you know, during the season. But more than you would think, man. And beyond that, you know, there's a large number of guys that I would come in on Monday and I would you know we'd do our walkthrough, do our meeting. I would leave in full camo. 
because I'm I'm going straight to the woods, and everybody's like, "Man, where you go?" I'm like, "I'm hunting," and they're like, "Man, let me come," and I'm like, "Listen, like you got it. There's a lot, not a lot, but there's some stuff you need to get before you come. But like, I would love to take you out. But like, so many people are like, "You hunt? Like you're going hunting?" I'm like, "Hell yeah, I'm going." And uh, you know, there's so many people that are intrigued by it, but you know, as you guys can understand, not everybody's introduced to that as a young kid like we were, right? So, you know, having somebody to to take them out and kind of teach them some things. You know, that that's what gets people in the outdoors. And, and to answer your question, I wouldn't say there's a whole ton of outdoor enthusiasts, but I would say there's a lot of guys that are very curious about it. And there are some guys that are uh, real deal outdoors enthusiasts, kind of like who I just mentioned to you, Brandon Linder, um, Jeff Janis. I don't know if you've heard of him, a receiver from the Packers. He's a true he's a killer. You know, you got uh, Cart Wentz. What's Wentz's name? The quarterback. He's serious about it. Uh, what's his name? Trent Cole, Trent Murphy. Uh, there's, and again, I'm missing a ton of them, but, uh, yeah, they're out there, man. That was Perry and I, unfortunately have grown up Washington Redskins fans. Oh, yeah. you already know it's up there. Uh, and, oh, and, T-Murph, uh, man. Yeah. So yeah, 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 Jim Murphy yeah. for sure. But then yep. I remember, uh, when, uh, when we drafted Samaje Pirine, you know, shortly thereafter, it was like a cut a clip. You sitting there in full real tree. I was like, hell yeah, that's my, that's my man right there. I've always country <laughs> boy from Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah so anytime you know we watch and see guys that are into it because it seems and it seems and I don't know this might just be as I've paid attention more and been become more uh, acutely aware of it, but it seems like recently within the last ten years, like people are more open about it. Maybe that's just social media, but it, it seems like hunting's kind of had, especially in like the mainstream with either celebrities or you know the sports world, folks don't really want to advertise it because there's negative connotations when with all, all these folks that don't have any idea. Did you ever experience any of that? Like people being like. What's wrong with you? Like, why are you going out there to kill, you know, Bambi's mom or whatever? Uh, no, but I'll say this. I kind of got it jokingly, right? But I never got anybody that was like, you you really go do that? Seriously? But, you know, you would have guys like, oh, damn, you're going to look for Bambi just talking shit. And I'm like, damn right, I'm going to look for Bambi. But, uh, yep. yeah, I never experienced that. But, you know, I, I'm ready and, I, you know, to, to address that. And it's unfortunate that it happens. Uh, you know, and it's one of those things where it's like, Number one, we're not doing anything wrong. Number two, mind your damn business. Number three, yeah, we can sit down and have a, an argument about why I do it and all that. But I just, and I'm not saying this is right, but I don't think I owe anybody an explanation. That's kind of where I'm at on it. But uh, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think I owe that to anybody. I 100% you know? agree, man. Because I've even <laughs> changed. I used to, like, try to tailor some of our content to, like, make it a little softer. I even fell into that trap of like, I think there was a couple of times where I was like, oh, we harvested this. Oh, the older man. I get, the more I don't give a fuck, dude. We go out <laughs> there, we kill animals. We kill it to eat it. Yeah, I'm not going to apologize. And I'm not going to change what I do or what I portray, which I think is truth and authenticity in my lifestyle, to soften it for a bunch of people who don't give a fuck about me or my people. Yeah, I mean? or anything that I do. And I'm, I'm just not going to do that. I don't give a shit. <laughs> right. A hundred percent. And number two, it's like, if you're going to come to me and ask me that, first of all, you better be a long time vegetarian. You better not wear shoes, all this stuff. Right. Because if you eat meat and you're telling me this, you, I'm not going to have a whole lot of respect for you, man, because the fact that I want to be a part of my procurement of, of my food, you know what I mean? I, there's nothing wrong with that. And again, I owe nobody any explanation of something that I'll do until they tell me to stop. That's just what it is. 80% of the food I eat, I could tell you the name of the person that killed it, you know? And like right. that, I think that is something that most people can't. And yeah, I'm, I will never apologize for that. And I'm not going to raise my 
you know, my kids not to either like, fuck them. Right. <laughs> I just, I'm tired of this pandering. And I think the honey and community and industry as a whole has started to do this. We want to pander to these folks because we want to, it's like we need to positively represent hunting. I'm like positively represent hunting is being honest and making people confront the harsh truth that, that no matter what you eat, you could be a staunch vegetarian. Cause even if you're sitting there and you grow all your own food, which they don't, but if they did, they're still going to be the ones that are sitting there spraying their shit, keeping, you know, when it takes, you know, a bunch of bugs come through and wipe out their tomato crop, like life eats life. And that's at the, that's at the end of the day, what it always is. Dude, that, that's a fact, man. That, that's a hundred percent fact. And, and like you said earlier on, I think maybe I would have approached it differently and maybe I would have thought more about, man, I want this guy to accept me and accept this, but I really don't give a shit. Like I really don't, you know what I mean? I'm to that point where I really don't care. And you know, I haven't got much of it, but I've got a little bit of hate, especially when I posted my mountain lion. I had this, uh, I had this chick post a, a comment. I'd put up a picture of my backstrap. And she was like, I hope somebody does this to you, you know? And it's like, if you think about that, that's pretty crazy. Like what she just said, right? You know what I mean? Like, that's pretty crazy what she just said. And it's like, it's like, all right, like this is this chick, she, you know, she's emoting, which is what a lot of that side does. They don't think with logic, they emote, you know, she was emoting and she saw the cat and she said, I hope somebody does it to you. So I responded by saying, thank you. Winky face, blew her a kiss. Thank you so much. Like, you know, but it's just like, damn, like, Let's think about this for a minute. You know what I'm saying? And and I think that's what a lot of those antis, man, they, they just they're just emoting, man. They're just emoting. I think we're our own worst enemies, though. We get more hate. We've had a few antis and vegetarians, vegans come on, and but most of the negative shit we get is always from other hunters. Like, mm, in what yeah, way? Just all sorts of shit. Like, you know, I mean, the big the big one we get, uh, that's the most common is Cam Haynes wannabes, which is hilarious because I fucking hate running. Um, but, uh, it's cause he has lift, run, shoot. And when I came up with hunt, lift, eat, I didn't even know that was a thing, yeah, but yeah. you know, that one, that one's low hanging fruit. That one's fair, but it's like, there's <laughs> like different shit. We've done a bunch of funny ass. Like we, like we goof off and we show some of the funny stuff from camp and that, like when I shot that alligator, Carter had thrown it up and was kind of had it on like, uh, over his shoulders and he did a couple squats with it. And I was, while I was filming, just being goofy and people were like, this is disrespecting oh, the alligator. Here we go. I was like. It's a fucking lizard, dude. It's a fucking dinosaur. The thing does not have a whole lot of like shit going on between its whatever it has, not ears. And I was like, too, like I, I, that's what I said to one guy. I was like, I promise he didn't give a shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And it's like, oh my god, like, what, what made you me. take the what made you take the time out of your day to say that? Do you think that you commenting on that is going to make me change what I do? You know what I mean? Like, it's Let's almost like. On. Just scroll on, and that's why I love that that my show is called Retired to Hunt. It's like there's no if ands or buts about what it's about. Uh, you know, my IG handles High Country Jaywalk. As soon as you go look, there's dead stuff in there. It's just what it is. So like, if you don't like that, you're gonna find out quick. There's a bunch of that. So just don't, just don't look because I don't go. If I click on somebody's page, I see something I don't like. Okay, I'm just gonna leave. That's all. I'm just gonna leave. It's crazy. <laughs> that's all I'm gonna do, man. It's crazy. It's like people, you know, I, I used to, you know, when I first started in the social media space, you know, you t- I take it to heart and I'd be like, oh, bah, 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 I'd get mad. And now like, and then it went like, I don't care. I just like block and, del- you know, block, delete, whatever. And now I'm like, 
oh no, this is, you're helping me out, man. So I'll just, I just go back and forth with them for a while. Just boost <laughs> engagement. And at the end of it, I always tell them too. I'm like, Hey brother, I really appreciate all the support. This engagement really helps us in the algorithm. And that even pisses <laughs> them off even more. Like it's oh, they don't like that. No, no. Oh no. You let them know how it works. So, you know, it's just, but it is, it's silly. It's like, look, and I get it right there of all the shit we've posted. That one is probably the most questionable about like him doing some squats and i think he did a lunge or two with a gator on his back but like dude what the fuck who can it's a joke yeah no shit that happened or like he was fucking off it was funny i was filming like that's we fuck off in camp and that's like a tenth of the fucking ridiculous shit that happens like let's be real oh yeah i don't, I don't post most of the stuff but <laughs> I, I i just there was another one where like a couple of the dudes i was deployed and a couple of the dudes we did a photo shoot and they were all sitting there with like bare asses taking a piss you know next to each other just being funny and everybody's like this is fucking gay like, you guys are fucking queers. like i'm like <laughs> just dying dude i'm losing i'm like I told one dude was like, one dude was like, I really liked you guys until this. I was like, bro, you weren't gonna last long if this was the line. Like, and, and to me, like that's similar to somebody that's uh, super homophobic, you know, winding up on some gay person's page, and they're like, "Oh, you queers, blah blah blah, this and that." It's like, why would you go on their page where clearly they're gay? You know what I'm saying? Like, why even? But you know what I mean? It's like that ain't bothering you, man. Why are you? You know what I'm saying? I, I exactly. Don't know, I don't. You know, know it's that. just. I don't know. I guess our sense of humor isn't for everybody. Most people think think <laughs> that shit's funny, right. dude. I don't. Right. You just can't. Fuck, man. I think some guys are just they get on the internet with the intent to be pissed off or annoyed or offended about some shit, and because their lives are so goddamn miserable that they've got to go out and get some feeling of like power by like trying to. And you know it's easy when it's like a brand page, and it's but when you see what people do to like people's personal accounts, I feel bad for like like that's. I mean, I don't want to put myself out there. I mean, I, I have a decent page, but like I, I don't know. You just you're just subjecting yourself to so much, and some of these, especially like young women, like God damn, dude, it's so toxic. Oh, it's it's so toxic. And to your point, I think there's some people out there that they know that they can't express their feelings in person to another man or woman. You know, because they're not like that. You know what I mean? But they can be on the computer or be on their phone and they can type out their frustrations because they know they ain't about to get popped in the mouth. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And yep. and that, that's becoming a real issue, man, for, for, from what I see, man. A lot of Twitter warriors. And I'm not on here trying to beat my chest, but, like, I would never tweet or type something. I don't even have a Twitter. I would never type something out that I wouldn't sit on a bar, bar stool across from somebody and say. That's just, 100%. you know what I mean? That's how I get down. Well, I even said, like, we had a guy that was – saying a bunch of shit and i was like hey, about is we one of our challenge videos and i was like hey man like we'll be it he was talking about how that much of a badass he was i was like we're gonna be at every event going around the country next year you should come out i'll pay for your ticket <laughs> and uh you know and it's like that it's like me and you can go head to head on this thing like let's see and if you beat me i'll buy you a beer bro i don't give a shit but like yeah. it's just that's the type of guy who would never actually show up you know and they would never say anything to my face and I know damn well nobody's going to say shit to your face because if you guys don't know, fucking Josh is like six 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 seven, a big motherfucker. So, um, like, it's just these guys are a bunch of pussies is what it comes down to. I'd have to agree with you, man. I just – and it goes back to your point. You know, do you get on this social media deal to, to do that? Like, do you get off to that? I don't know. I, I ask myself that all the time. I look at some of the comments on people's pages and I'm like, damn, you took the time to type out all that stuff? Yeah, I think it's just – just sad lives dude but let's uh we went off on a little tangent there which i think i think it's all applicable though but uh 
I want to roll back from the transition from college to the pros, just, you know, kind of going off hunting a little bit. What did, what did that look like? And then you went undrafted, right? Man, that's like even more impressive for somebody to go undrafted and then have the duration of the career you had. So kind of just talk about like that and some of the mindset stuff of like not getting drafted, having to just literally like claw your way to make a roster, to make the team, stay in the league. You know, what's, what's some of that, uh, that perseverance. So, yeah, going back to what you were saying about mindset, you know, that's it, it's super vital because I can remember the first time I got cut, and that was with Indy. Uh, so I just signed a new lease. This is week two of the regular season. I just signed a new lease to a house, and uh, it had been sitting for a couple months because they were trying to sell the place, but I put in an offer to uh, to lease it, and they accepted the offer, and uh, it had been sitting for a while. So it had some spiders in the garage. So I go to Home Depot, get some spider spray. And I'm walking to the register and I hear bring, 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 phone ringing. Look at my phone. Sure enough, it's an unknown number from Indianapolis. I said, you got to be shitting me. There's no way this is happening right now. Sure enough. Hey, uh, is this Josh? I was like, yeah. And it was like, yeah. So uh, Mr. Grigson wants to see you upstairs. Uh, you probably want to bring your iPad. And I was like, all right. Like, that was it. So I go up there and he's like, you know, we're just going to we're going to do something different. You know, I appreciate all your effort, blah, blah, blah. Stay in shape. You never know when it's going to, you know, you're going to get called back up this and that. Now, I could have done one of two things. I could have said, damn, I guess I'm not good enough. Or I could say, fuck you. I'm going somewhere else and show y'all that I'm good enough, right? Y'all y'all mean to tell me y'all thought I wasn't good enough for your practice squad? All right. So I go to Green Bay. Literally two days later, I'm in Green Bay living out of a leather bag for the whole year. I'm on practice squad. And I'm in a bad attitude. Holding it down and practice all this stuff. So I go into the next season and I make the team as an undrafted offensive lineman. And with a quarterback like that in Green Bay, like that's, you know what I mean? To have, to be on the active roster, that means they trust you with his life. You know what I'm saying? That's that's Aaron Rodgers. So, you know what I mean? So I was very, very happy with that. I'll never forget on cut day, I'm driving to the house and I knew there had to be about eight more cuts and I haven't got a phone call yet. So I'm all nervous. Look at my phone. James Campus calling me, the O-line coach. I'm like, well, shit, here it is. I'm driving in my truck, answer the phone. Well, he answered with this old somber ass voice. Big man, how's it going? I'm like... Fuck it, don't sound like it's very good, Campy. What's happening? He's like, man, I just want to thank you for all your effort and all that. I'm like, go ahead, Campy, get right to it. He's like, oh, I'm fucking with you, big man. You made it. And uh, I just remember breaking down, crying like a motherfucker. I ain't to this day ain't never cried like that in my life. I'm in my truck just sobbing. I had to pull over. I'm talking about sobbing, dog. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I just made that package. Come on, man. And uh, so long story short, I ended up playing there and uh, played the whole 2015 season there on the active roster. Then going into 2016, I was set to make all this. I was fine. End up getting hurt in the fourth preseason game and uh, end up injury settling with them. And the whole intent was to come back with them. Ted Thompson and all those guys were like, oh, Josh, train here at the House of Speed. We're going to bring you back as soon as your time's up. Train here. You know, we're bringing you back. So when I started healing up, you know, my agent's having all these conversations and it's still good. Hey, we're going to sign in, blah, blah, blah. So finally, I heal up. I go in there and work out, have a good workout. And after the workout, they were like, well, Eddie, Eddie Lacey, Eddie's hurt. James, James Starks, he's hurt. We're going to have to make some moves at the running back position. And I'm like, so they were like, you know, stay around for another week. You know, give us another week. So they make some running back moves. But all of a sudden, the Houston Texans come calling, saying they're going to sign me without working out. Active roster, no workout. I was like, hey, guys, <laughs> I got to make business moves. So I'm gone. You know, I wasn't going to give them another week because that's a paycheck. You know what I mean? That's a week's pay that I'm going to miss if I sit there and wait around. So go to Houston. Uh, I absolutely hated it there. I'm not going to go into why because I'm just not into slandering people's names. But uh, 
let's just say there was some guys uh, on that coaching staff, uh, you know, that I just really, really, really made it uh, tough to go to work every day. And uh, anyway, end up going to Jacksonville for the last two years. Absolutely loved it. Uh, you know, I'll say this. That was the toughest training camp of my life. You guys know who Tom Coughlin is. I'm not going to get into what I think about him. Actually, all I'll say is really good coach. That's all I'm going to say about Tom Coughlin. But I'll say he did some old school stuff. Uh, and uh, we, we paid for it. Let's put it to you like that. Uh, that was always that was always his reputation, right? That old school, hard nose, like oh, all business, work your ass off kind of mentality. It was one of those deals where every day, like there was, and again, I get it. You got to work hard. You get paid a lot of money to play football, but I mean, every second of the day, you're doing something. And it was weird, dude. They set the clocks uh, forward five minutes, so like to try to, I guess, mentally fuck us into being like. We need to be there even earlier than what time it actually is, right? So point is, is it could be 5.55, but it's 6 o'clock in those meeting rooms, so you better be in there at 5.55, or else that's like a – I can't remember how many thousands of dollars fine. I mean, it's it's insane. But, uh, yeah, man, uh, as far as a mindset, you just got to be a cold motherfucker, especially as an undrafted free agent, because you got to sit across from guys. And even as a draft pick, 80-some-odd percent of y'all, you're going to get cut at some point, probably 90-some percent. You're going to get cut. So – you know, eventually you're going to meet your maker. You're going to be sitting across that wood desk and have them tell you why you're getting cut. And you just got to stare them in the eyes and say, okay. And you just walk out and go to the next one. Or you just lay down. You know what I mean? Uh, but no, it was great. It taught me a lot of shit just from the standpoint of being a man and being able to uh, accept criticism, I guess. Um, you know, it obviously put me ahead in life to, to allow me to be able to do the things I'm doing right now. But uh, yeah, man. As far as the mindset, that to me, that's more important than the the measurables, than the benching and the squatting and the forties and all that. You better be a sharp motherfucker between your ears, man, or you ain't gonna make it very long, man. And that's just that, that's the way it is. You can be the biggest. I've seen too many high round draft picks that end up playing two, three years, and it's because they just the rigors of it. I mean, it just, it adds up, and it does. And imagine being an undrafted guy that every day in practice, there's no loafing around like some of those. Some guys don't understand what it's like to have practice be your job interview every day. Like if you're fu- if you're out there lollygagging around, you're an undrafted guy. They will fucking bring somebody in on Thursday. I mean, it's not hard. You're expendable. Like it's you know what I mean. Your salary to them is nothing. So you know any little sign of weakness, any sign of not wanting to be there, you're fucking gone, man. As an undrafted guy. Uh, so yeah it, it doesn't matter where you got drafted you got to be a, a strong-minded dude to play that game at that level for sure yeah i can imagine and i love that what you just said about just that the constant i mean you know basically looking over your shoulder right you're like fuck they could be <laughs> they're gonna ax me at any moment like i gotta be pushing out every single fucking day every second and just grinding and like that those lessons are I mean, they're invaluable, you know, and you take that same mentality that you had on the football field and you start applying it to, to business and to hunting and on the mountain. And, man, it's that's a hell of a mindset. Well, think about how it feels. So when you go to a new team, right, especially after you've been cut once or twice, the, the thought process is, damn, I don't really even want to fuck with any of these guys because I could be going in two weeks. Now, I was fortunate enough to never have that short of a stint anywhere, but I've seen it done. I've seen guys come in, they sign them, and they get all – happy, jolly, and they get them an apartment in 10 days, their asses are living out of a leather bag somewhere else if they're lucky. You know what I mean? So th- there's also some probably some bad habits because I'm very uh, – and there's nothing wrong with it, but I'm very uh, slow to trust 
You know what I'm saying? And that probably came kind of a derivative of the the way that it went. But also, that's a good thing. I don't think you should just be so quick to trust somebody. I don't think you should be like that. Uh, but yeah, it's just you go to a new team, man, and it's it's the first time it's you're completely oblivious to it. It's like, oh, okay, this is a new team, and then you kind of read the temperature of everybody and how you're being accepted. Not that it matters how you're being accepted because I'm there to do a job. I don't give a fuck if you like me or not. But like you, you know, you just kind of read the room. You know what I mean? Because especially as an offensive line, and you know this, usually that's the tightest group in the on the damn football field, right? And, you know, usually the most selfless dudes, usually the most funniest, jokingest motherfuckers. But, you know, under all that, there's some fucking killers, dog. Like what you're asked to do as an offensive lineman, a lot of people don't understand. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, so just how you carry yourself, man. It taught me a lot about how I carry myself, you know, to to walk that fine line of being a very confident motherfucker and being a cocky douchebag. You know what I mean? <laughs> I do have one question talking about, you know, being an offensive lineman, having to have like what they ask of you. What is it like being on a practice squad tackle and lining up on the cross from fucking J.J. Watt? Oh, dude, (laughs) J.J. Watt. So Julius Peppers, B.J. Raji, Clay Matthews, all those guys. It's great because if you can block those guys, who can't you block? You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to only spend that first year on the practice squad and this was in 2014, and I was playing B.J. Raji, Mike Neal, Julius Peppers, Clay Matthews, A.J. Hawk. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on to some of those really good players. And then it just gives you the confidence where all of a sudden for the rest of my career, I'm like, motherfucker, I used to go toe-to-toe with Dr. Pepper every single day. Toe-to-toe with Clay <laughs> Matthews every day. You know what I mean? So, And I'm not saying there's not other great players, but to answer your question, man, it does nothing but help you. It does nothing yep. but help you. And, and obviously to – if you're at that point, you're obviously a very confident dude. So, like, there was never a time where I thought, I can't block this guy. This is Julius Peppers. And, you know, once you actually confirm that and you block him, it's like, fuck, I can block Julius Peppers. You know what I mean? So, it does nothing but help. You know what I mean? No, that's badass. That's a, that's a hell of a list. Did you, uh, ever, uh, did you ever line up uh, across from Derek? Uh, only on PAT. So, we played them in 2015 as the Packers. And that game, we didn't do any jumbo tight end. Or uh, or none of the interior guys got hurt. So I backed up. I don't know if you guys remember T.J. Lang and Josh Sitton and Brian Balaga, right? So I was the, mm-hmm, the yeah. primary backup of anybody in the interior except for center and the right tackle. And those guys are fucking warriors. And uh, so just ha- so happened that game, we didn't run any jumbo tight end. Uh, lined up against him on field goal, which doesn't mean to fuck. But to answer your question, no, I haven't lined up against Derek. Good, good player, though. Very handsy, twitchy. Athletic defensive tackle. I respect uh, D. Wolf for sure. Buddy of mine. Yeah, definitely. That's uh, being at CBA. When I was up talking to you and Derek at CBA, fucking my wife was like, who the hell are those guys? I was like, big old bull. Nice shot. Most of the listeners know I'm 5'7", and like you're, what, 6'6"? Six, six? Derek's just as tall, if not taller. Yeah. Fucking big old boys. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Josh, just, go ahead. On the on the topic of football, I gotta know, man. I've always heard that offensive linemen love the running plays. What what was your favorite? What was your favorite play call? Uh, power. Uh, the front yep. side of power, which is which is the double team, obviously, just because it's almost foolproof. So if I'm the right guard, we got 34 power coming my way to the three technique, right? And I'm the guard. I'm the pop man. I got to shoulder spear that fucker so my tackle can come in there with a gallop footwork or whatever's prescribed, drive it oh, up yeah. to that backside backer. Now, why it's foolproof is I can take that left foot, pick it up, put it down. And people don't understand this. So, I mean, everything is done in a split second. So I pick that left foot, 
up, put it, pick it, pick it up and put it down. And either he's going to cross my face uh, against the grain of the play. He's going to hit me in my jaw or he's going to go outside. And I've got a plan for all those things. And the crazy thing is, is that plan gets figured out in a half a second. So I just, I'm looking right at his shoulders and I'm like, he's either going inside, which is fine because I'm going to pick it up, put it down, take that right foot, gather it, drive the backside knee, turns into a down block, tackle goes up to the backer. Or if he plays into, just plays into my body, all I got to do is hit him in the jaw and I know my tackle's coming in there. And if he's worth a shit, he's going to knock the hell out of his hip and we're going to drive him up to the backside backer. Uh, So to me, I love power, but also I do love uh, like a G pull, like in a, a, a G scheme power, which means it's power to the front side. meaning the guard, instead of pulling around the center, he's pulling front side out in space, right? Or yep. G sup. It's called G sup is the name of the play. So I love getting out there in space. And one thing I will say is I learned that cutting, you know, like cut blocking somebody in the national football league is way harder than college, man. I'm talking about, I got to where I hated it because they practice so much more of beating that block. Like at all state, I don't care if you're safety, a linebacker, a D tackle, they all are practicing how to beat a cut block. So as soon as they see your eyes go to that hip and you're in space, their hands are going to drop and they're ready for you. So I'd rather just run and try to hit them in the mouth because there's nothing that looks shittier than a 330 pound guy just throwing his body out there and all of a sudden somebody pushes you in the turf and they make the play. It looks like shit. So and you whip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looks like shit, man. And uh but yeah, it's so much harder. Even on the backside of runs, like the backside of stretch, right? Luke, you can attest to this, right? The backside, you're either going to get cut down or they're going to try to be slippy and try to get to that backside backer. Well, if I'm the left tackle, we got stretch going right and there's a three technique. First off, that is a hell of a job just to get in front of him. I don't think people understand. If I'm the left tackle, Stretch is going to the right. The three technique is inside to the on my right shoulder, and I have to somehow get on the other side of him before that play gets there. So, you know what I mean? And these dudes are freakishly athletic, 6'2", 340-pound guys that can move. Uh, damn, you got me on a tangent. I get fired up talking about blocking schemes. But uh, I do love <laughs> no. the front side of power or trap, being the puller on trap, because a lot of times that dude has no clue. You know, you – we call it giving head. Uh, so if you're the trap guy, you take a step and you show the one your your eyes, right? You just show, act like you're about to block him, and then you take off, right? And it's that whoever you're pulling for, a lot of times they have no clue. And it's when you hit somebody flush and they don't know about it, it's a cool feeling, man, especially at that level. It's cool. <laughs> I cracked yeah. my femur getting getting hit on it as we were playing. <laughs> Uh, fuck, who were we playing? It was uh, my senior year in the state championship game. Dude came. It was, they had this massive – fuck, was that – it wasn't Maplewood. Hillsboro, maybe? Okay, anyways, yeah. That, one of the Memphis teams. Yeah, dude came. Maybe NBA or something? Yeah, I, can, I honestly can't even – that's crazy. Okay. I can't even remember who we played my, in state. But dude came. He was like a six six, just big-ass receiver. Probably could have played tight, tight end and came and just cracked me, hit me in the leg. And I was looking the other way and dude fucking cracked my femur, <laughs> tore my quad. Like I still have issues with it. So that's a yeah, big shit. bone. So that was a hard hit. Dude, it was, it was rough, but I mean, that's the, like, you know, I obviously haven't played in a long, long time, but like no one had the athletic like ability of like dudes that are fucking 330 pounds. Like some of these guys can move like sub five forties. Like that is insanity insane like how fast some of these big motherfuckers are like human beings i don't think are supposed to be that big and move that fucking quick man like that's it's scary 
Dude, awesome. that, that's a great point. Like people, I think people picture old linemen as being these big fat fucks that can't move. And, uh, you no. know, because the, the position is super esoteric, like not many people know anything about it. And like, for instance, at my pro day, I didn't go to, uh, the combine any of that shit, but I was 338 pounds at my pro day. I ran a five, one, four. And, you know, for being that big, that's rolling. And that's fast. You know, people don't, people don't understand number one, how big, you may not see anybody that weighs 330 in your life unless they're a big fat fuck in a rascal scooter. No offense if that's what you are, but you know what I'm saying? Like 330 is huge, man. You know what I mean? You shouldn't be that big unless you're an alignment or you're a power lifter. I mean, that's huge. Well, Luke said we we grew up Redskins fan, and, and man, you know, you watch someone like Trent Williams so, that oh. big and, and that athletic, it's unfreaking believable. It's just it's it doesn't look human. It, it like it's not fair. I'm I'm glad you brought up that name because Trent Williams, number one, is one of the best football players in the world. Not just the best lineman, one of the best football players in the world. And the things he's been able to do his entire career, even up till now, and he's thirty. I think he's. I think he's like three years older than me. I think he's like 36 or something, 35, 36, still yeah. playing at a super high level. And it, it's incredible what he's able to do because – and I've got some starts at left tackle, and I'm here to tell you, it's a fucking hard position, man. Uh, you know, and he just he just thrives out there, man. He's the dancing bear. I got a lot of respect for him. Yeah, that, that was heartbreaking when our fucking dysfunctional-ass uh, organization – Ruin that relationship. How about but, that, man? Oh my god! Thank good. I don't know. Did you see Dan Snyder's gone? He's fucking Dang. gone. Oh, He's god. gone. Woo. Now maybe they can do something, man. I know, man. We've just had this okay. curse. Like you know, I grew up. Like I was forty four my whole time. Like loved Riggins. Like just grew up. A you know, vintage Redskins fan. And then it sounds like Joshua or not, uh, fuck the new owner Josh Harris. About to say Josh Walker, but uh, is gonna. <laughs> they're looking at changing the name again. Thank God, because the Commanders oh, is the oh, worst it's, fucking it's name terrible. ever. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. I uh, I jokingly say to my buddy, he's a uh, a Redskin fan. I call him the Washington Foreskins. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Hopefully they get a you know a good name change. But yeah, like you said, the Commanders, Commandos, whatever they are. Not that it matters, <laughs> but I mean, ugh, you got to do better than that. Yeah, it was just it was terrible. It was they were never gonna like no matter what they rolled out, it wouldn't have been. It's just the franchise with so much history, and I just I don't know. I could go on a whole podcast about that shit. But anyways, <laughs> let's uh, let's roll on, man. Let's let's yeah. get to uh, let's you know love the NFL stuff. I think we could do a whole podcast on just that. But let's you know what what did your transition look like? When did you make the decision? Like fuck, I'm done. And then what did this whole retired to hunt? How did this idea this the inception of all this? What did that look like? So it was kind of crazy, man. Uh, about, I would say, the last game that I played in in 2018, and I started it at uh, at left tackle. Uh, after that game, I was like, man, that was fun as shit. But then the more I think about it, I'm like, all I do is watch YouTube, honey. <laughs> I'm talking about I, that's all I do. And the more I, like, I just realized, I'm like, damn, I, I need to stop watching this shit and stop thinking about all this hunting shit or – I just need to be fucking done with this because like it's I, I'm doing it too much, like just straight up. And now was I making mistakes and all that shit? No, but I just knew that who I am and my standard of the work that I was putting in towards the football shit. I was like, I just don't give as much of a shit about it. I'm just being honest. And uh, I don't know. I just got to the point where I couldn't stand the thought of another team meeting. And I remember after the 18 season I told my good buddy that I just talked about Brandon Linder. I was like, Hey man, I'm going to take all my shit. I just bought a house out here. I was like, I'm taking all my shit with me. 
And I, I, I didn't get cut. None of that. Like I was supposed to come back. But I was like, dude, I'm done, man. He's like, oh, bullshit. You ain't. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, I'm done. I was like, I'm taking my boats with me. I was like, well, I shipped one and, and drove the other one back in my truck. Man, it looked like the Beverly Hillbillies when I left uh, Jacksonville, man. I'm talking about all the way up to the cab. The whole bed was full. I had a cargo net over it. I had my Ranger bass boat that was stacked up over the hole with a boat cover on it, covering it down and Told my buddy, I said, hey, let's go to Stuttgart, Arkansas and hunt public land ducks on the way out. He said, dude, you ain't fucking done. Let's wait till next year. I was like, no, no, no. Like, let's go do this. So me, my good buddy, Brandon Linder and Logan Cook, who's still the punter in Jacksonville, old Mississippi boy, we go out to Stuttgart, rent us an Airbnb. We're hunting public land ducks. It was incredible. We didn't kill a bunch of ducks, but just being out there in camp, just us shooting a handful of ducks on public land, doing it ourselves. It was incredible. And when I tell you that galvanized, the thoughts of being done, as you can imagine, I was like, yeah, this is what the fuck I want to do, man. And uh, so I get to to Colorado here and I'm like, dude, this is awesome. I had no clue. And I don't want to go down a rabbit hole, but I'm going to briefly kind of I had no clue that elk hunting was so accessible. So my first year when I got here, all I did was bird hunt. I'm talking about everywhere you can hunt ducks in Colorado. I've looked into it. Uh, so I did a bunch of bird hunting. I did some turkey hunting, dove hunting. All I did was hunt doves. Didn't even deer hunt that whole first year. But then that offseason the next year, I had a buddy of mine uh, started showing me videos about pronghorn. I'm like, ooh, like this is a cool-ass animal. You know, I've obviously seen a pronghorn, but I was like, I can hunt these out here over the counter without waiting 20 years to hunt them? Holy shit. So I go out in 2019, long story short, five days solo public land, shoot a 73-inch goat with my bow. You know what I'm saying? Just went out there, grinded it out, and I was like, this is what I want to do, man. And uh, I actually, did, wow, this is all going to come all full circle here. So I lost my phone. I gutted that antelope. I shot him at 7 o'clock at night, surprisingly. So I gut him out. The wind's blowing like 30 mile an hour. I'm having to hold a tarp. Like, I've got him laying on the tarp. I'm holding the tag end up in the wind, gutting him, cutting him up with one hand just to keep the dust off of him. And in that whole deal, I lost my phone. I'm like, holy shit, all the pictures are gone. Anyway, a couple of days later, I'm still riding the hive, killing his goat. My mom calls me saying, well, somebody's got your phone. I'm like, this is a this is a scam. There's no way somebody found my phone. It, it wouldn't have been charged. So this guy found my phone, charged it up, somehow got to the emergency contacts, called my mom. So I call him and I'm like, hey, man, you know, do you really have my phone? He's like, yeah, I got it, bud. Uh, you know, I'm coming back from where you killed that antelope. He killed one, too, actually, in that same unit. He's like, you want to meet me? I'm coming through Denver. I'm like, yeah. So I was prepared to pay him, right? After going through all that, wouldn't accept any money. Anyway. End up the next year going out with him on the elk hunt. I didn't have a tag, but I just wanted to go along and see what it was like. Now, keep in mind, this dude's 5'8", 175-pound trail runner. At this time, I'm 6'6", 310 pounds still, big body, don't know nothing about how what it's like to do elevation, but I'm a prideful motherfucker, man. And so we get to the trailhead about 11 o'clock at night because he had to work, met with him. We get there. People are drunk, throwing football via headlights, like just trash. There's like 20 cars to trailhead. He's got a thick Minnesota accent. He's like, well, bud, uh, you think you could sleep in the truck tonight? And I was like, well, I was like, no, nah, I couldn't sleep in the truck. I mean, I could sit here for five hours. He's like, well, you know, we could put our tents up right outside the truck and then get up and going in the morning. I'm like, ah, I don't want to go through all that. He's like, well, are you thinking what I'm thinking? I'm like, fuck, I hope not. So we put our <laughs> headlamps on at midnight and we walk in two and a half miles at midnight and set up spike camp in there, man. And this dude grabs his trekking poles and takes off and he don't look back. And me being the prideful asshole I am, I'm right on his heels. But he's fine, and I'm hurting. 
You know what I mean? So went through that whole hunt, got to hear some bugles, didn't kill an elk. But that was kind of like my first baptizing of the fire into the the rigors of elk hunting. And, uh, you know, I kind of got to see it firsthand without a tag in my pocket. Then the next year I have a tag in my pocket. Shoot that bull right here behind me, good solid bull, you know, in that three high 320s, 330 class bull, good bull. Uh, and now I'm just ate up with elk, man. And uh, so, yeah, the transition's going very well. Started off real slow, just kind of figure out the rules and regulations and what I can hunt, how long it takes to hunt that particular species. But now, you know, I'm not going to say I know everything, but I, uh, I've i got it down pretty good. And, uh, you know, I'm excited about the future, man. Excited about the future. What you got lined up for this season, Josh? Oh, man. Listen, I got muzzleloader bulls here. I got OTC archery cows. I got a rifle bear tag here. Uh, I'm going to hunt OTC archery antelope here. I've got uh, Missouri whitetail. I've got Florida whitetail. I've got uh, Nebraska muzzleloader any deer. Uh, I've got North Carolina black bear. Um, Hell yeah. Where's yeah, North Carolina? Uh, way out on the eastern side, like three miles from the uh, from the water. I actually had a listener hit me up like, Hey, bud, you know, I saw you killed a mountain lion. We run uh, bears with the dogs, and he sent me pictures of these. Y'all know about North Carolina having them giants. Sent me pictures oh, yeah. of these four 500-pound bears. I'm like, holy shit. I was like, I'd love to. He's like, well, come out next year. I was like, well, don't tell me this shit, dude, because I'm serious about it. Like, if you're serious, I'm serious. Like, I'll be there. Yeah. He's like, well, shit, November next year, bud. C- come on out. I'm like, all right, well, well I'll be in touch. And I- I've kept in touch with him. Uh, Sean, Sean Blakeman, I think his name. Cool guy from out that way. He's like, yeah, it'll be cool, man. You'll shoot you a bear. We'll have it skint by 1 p.m. We'll be on the water at 1.30. <laughs> I was like, catching redfish. <laughs> I was like, hey, man, that sounds like my type of time. Hell, yeah. That's awesome, dude. Mm-hmm. Y'all draw any tags or what? Yeah, man. So uh, Perry and I are doing a couple hunts together, actually. We're doing Colorado muzzleloader uh, antelope. It's a unit uh, that we hunted a couple years ago before I, had, I was deployed last year. And uh, but the year before, and we had a, we had our asses kicked trying to get off drain antelope with the with the muzzleloader was. Oh, yeah, was tough, you know, and but God, you learn so much. You go on. It's 20 stalks, you know, like a day. Oh, yeah. We were putting 20, 30 miles, almost 30 miles in going after these things so we had a blast so we actually tweaked a bunch of our setups and so we're going to get after them there and then we've got uh we're going up to wyoming for antelope rifle i'm doing fourth season rifle and mule deer out uh towards the western slope so that's pretty good lineup going to do whitetail uh in a couple different spots so it should be good so this thing right here was uh this is a muzzleloader goat from last year man 110 yards here in colorado without uh without a scope you know took his heart out man and now he's short, but dude, his his man, I got big hands, man. His mass, especially this side. I mean, it's incredible. Incredible awesome. mass. Super proud of him. Public land by myself. Uh hell yeah, dude. CVA Optima, man. Power uh, power belt bullets. Yep. That's what that's what I got. That's what we were hunting with last year. Perry and I both. I missed one and then Perry missed one. And uh we were just like, fuck. So we it was really just lack of preparation. Perry showed up with a muzzleloader that didn't work. So two of us were hunting with one muzzleloader. It was a debacle. The whole fucking thing. Was, I, yeah. I, I ripped him pretty hard on uh, on the podcast for that one. But, we're, we, you know, lessons were learned and we're good sure. now. So I switched. Uh, have you seen uh, Williams sites? Those Williams gun sight, the globe sites. Listen, I I'm switched. trying to get one right now and they're all sold out everywhere. I'm trying to get one right now. Can't find one. I'll get you one. There's, they have them at Shields in Colorado Springs. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah Are you I'm in Colorado right now? Mm-hmm. 
Well, then we we ought to meet up because I need to ride down there and get some uh some powder too. We ought to we ought to meet up, man. Maybe get lunch or something because yeah, I've bro. been uh I've been meaning to go to uh to Shield. I I can spend. You already know I can spend all day in Shields, but uh that's where oh, yeah. I got my my primers last year, dude. They they stay pretty stocked up with stuff. Yeah, the I just actually I upgraded. I went uh, from the Optima to the Acura, so Ooh. I grabbed the Acura, put the Williams sights on it, and then I grabbed an extra set of Williams sights and put the on the Optima. So now I have two in case somebody wants to come out. So oh, perfect. Yeah. Have you seen the? Uh, and again, this is not a plug for CVA, but uh, you seen the Power uh, the Paramount? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> if we could use scopes here, because you know it's like I mean, yeah, you could put the Williams gun sight on it, but you're still pretty limited. You put a scope on that thing, you're shooting six, however the fuck, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean it's it's essentially a rifle. You just can't load it as fast. It's crazy. That Paramount, it's that that Bolt one, uh, Perry. It's a yeah. slick setup, dude. It's like eleven hundred bucks for a fucking muzzle loader <laughs> for a muzzy. And here's the thing, like to me, that would be worth it if I could have a scope. Now this muzzleloader tag in Nebraska, I can use a scope, so. I'm going to use the globe, what I'm using now on the CVA. But in December, when I go hunt muzzleloader or in Nebraska, I'll be damned if I'm using a globe when I can use a scope. So I'm going to have to oh, yeah. shoot that scope back in. You know what I mean? So yep. whatever, man. I just want to be hunting. That's how, you know, I like, you know, you're like, I'm doing muzzleloader. I'm doing archery. I got, you know, that's exactly how Perry and I am, man. I'm not a lot of these guys, and I love it, like whatever floats your boat, but I'm not a diehard bow hunter. I bow hunt because I can hunt more, but I like to kill shit. And like a lot of the guys that I know that are hardcore bow hunters kills shit like every three years. <laughs> exactly. And I'm the same way, like whatever tags I can get. And like you said, typically archery is going to allow you to hunt more, but I'm not one of those guys that sees a big 200 inch buck and they're like, they read, Oh, you shot this with a six, five PRC. Oh, that doesn't count. Oh, you didn't kill it with a bow. I mean, for fuck's sakes, man. And, and that goes back to, I don't know, man. We got enough enemies as hunters already, and to sit there and bicker about a dude shooting something with a rifle instead of a bow, that's some bullshit if you ask me, man. No, I completely agree. Who gives a shit? As long as it's legal, ethical, within your own moral standards. Like, I'm not even going to – you know, if a guy wants to go out there and shoot a half-year-old deer, that's fine. I don't want to. I've killed a yeah. lot of half-year-old deer, though. Sure. That's why I don't want to, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I went through a phase where all I killed was half-year-old deer when I was younger. But, like, it like, just – tastes good. They yeah. do taste good. And there's just so much bullshit that surrounds it all. But I, I hunt your hunt, man. You know, as long hunt as you're your you're following the rules and and sticking to it, dude. But you know, let's uh let's you know transitioning over to kind of what you started with re- the retired to hunt podcast and like what led you into wanting to go from like just now I'm leaving the NFL, I'm going to jump into hunting, and now I want to start building a little bit, get get going within the industry itself. Yeah, man. Well, I was just I got to thinking. Number one, I did not make enough money to sit on my ass for the rest of my life, right? So kind of what I was thinking is number one, my biggest passion, man, is the outdoors and hunting, man. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm blessed with the ability to, to talk a little bit and, you know, people like to listen to my stories and so on and so forth. So I'm like, you know what? Let's try this podcast shit out, man. So I tried it out, you know, and the response has been great and, and it's been cool because the main goal is, you know, obviously number one, I want to be able to, uh, to, to somehow make a living in this industry. But number number two is the relationships that have been built, man, to this point. Uh, it's, it's been great, man. It's been a really good start. I'm not where I want to be yet. Uh, but, you know, the the reception has been really well. You know, I've been getting a lot of good messages and meet a lot of people that, that have listened to it. And, and it really fires me up. But no, I just enjoy being able to uh, to kind of convey my passion, man, for being out in the woods. Uh, and it's also cool to have somebody like me who isn't your typical hunter, right? Fucking big old black dude. Uh, so it's kind of cool, fresh take 
uh, on the whole thing, man. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think one I want to touch on, you know, the, the black things. I think that that's actually, I don't know if the problem is the right word, but there's like a miscon, like, I don't know what it is. There's stigma. Like you just don't see a lot of black dudes in the woods. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, growing up, I came up in, uh, in seventh and eighth grade outside of Georgia. One of my good buddies I played football with black dude, country is cornbread and like probably very similar kind of upbringing, grew up hunting in the woods. And that was just kind of what I grew up exposed to. So I didn't even realize there was like this, you know, separation. And so, you know, what is, what is, has your reception been? What is, I mean, have you had any like, you know, shitty encounters or do you, do you find that it's more welcoming? And then what is that when you talk to other black guys, is there interest? Is there, are there barriers to entry that we, you know, need to talk about and break down? And like, I think we could do a whole podcast on that, but like, I think that that's something that I would love to see more. I just want to see more people in the woods, no matter what men, women, black, white, Asian, like whatever the fuck. And how do we do that? Yeah, man. So to answer the first part of your question, everything's been hundred percent great. Uh, not had any bad interactions, but you know, it helps to be a big old motherfucker. I would imagine. Right. Uh, (laughs) but, (laughs) but, uh, you know, one thing I will say is one thing that I don't like. And, and one thing that I don't, uh, I don't really do. And, you know, there's, I really haven't had a reason to, it's just more mental, the door knocking thing. Right. Like, yeah, to me going up in, in the country where most of the hunting's being done, like I worry about going up to people's doors because, you know, some of those people in those country towns, they haven't seen a black person in years. And you know what I'm saying? They, they have this perception of black people. Right. And that is certainly not right. I'm not saying that's right, but you know, and it's not that I'm scared of them doing something to me. It's, I just don't want to have that bad interaction because I know if somebody comes to that door and says something crazy to me, I'm just the type of dude, I'm going to have something crazy to say back. It don't make a fuck who's in the house. And I just don't want to do that. Uh, but as far as like how people have been to me, nothing but welcoming, man, nothing but welcoming. But you know, there, there are some things that, uh, somebody like me, man, being black, like I said, like the whole door knocking thing, like I I don't do it. You know what I mean? I don't do it. Uh, and and again, I'm a type of dude, you might look at me and think one thing. And then all of a sudden we sit there and talk for 30 minutes and all of a sudden I'm your best buddy. You know what I'm saying? And, and you know, it's a fucking shame, you know, how some people are in this country and we're not getting on the rabbit hole of that because like I said, it's been nothing but welcoming. And, uh, you know, as far as, uh, other black people in the woods, man, there's a lot, it's actually surprising the amount, especially when I look on Instagram and I see it, I'm like, man, this is super cool. There's a lot of them out there. And I'll be honest with you. Like, I don't give a fuck if you're black or white. Like I'm not one of those guys that I'm only going to hunt with black people. Like I'm not, I'm not like that. I don't give a shit what you look like. Uh, you know what I'm saying? But it is cool to see it because it lets other people know that it's possible. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. And, it, you know, it's when you look at like a lot of the, the his, historics, which I'm a, I was a history major in college, so I always look at this. And like what you see culturally is, especially in the South, is a lot of the, the black community focuses on the small game. And that's how they came up. Right. And there was a there was a problem with that based on the, the racial discrimination stuff. And so I'm always just really interested in I, I, I think that more and more people across the board just need to get into hunting. And so I just want to be, I don't know what the word is, but just educated in, into what that looks like. Cause I'm never, I'm, I'm never going to know what it's like to be a black man. I'm never going to have that, you know, experience. And so it's something that I just think is a conversation that's a conversation that's always worth having. No, I agree hundred percent, man. And going back to what you said, like it, it literally blew my mind because I come from a place where I'm part of, I mean, point, 
one percent of the population like in ray county you already know you saw the football team like that yeah. many black people and and to be honest i don't give a fuck uh i'm all about good people man you know what i'm saying and i'm very good at reading vibes and like when i see somebody that don't want to look me in the face like it might not be racism he might just be a either socially awkward or a piece of shit but i got a good vibe radar you know what i mean uh yeah. and and i fear no one so that's probably what helps me is i come across anybody i meet great eye contact nice firm handshake uh i'm always ready to to meet anybody and uh you know there's some people out there that you know and it's probably due to their upbringing not being brought up around people of color you know what i'm saying all they do is see uh, you know bad things and that's kind of their perception of them uh but you know i like i love being that guy you know to to break that and maybe i'm the guy that kind of softens people up to realize dude people are fucking people man i, I shouldn't yeah. be a fucking asshole right like some people are just fuck i don't know man i'm just i'm all about good people i can tell a good person when i meet them it don't take me long at all yeah and i think that's the important thing especially with all the noise that's going on these days which i think is just more divisive than anything else it's just and that's what i love about the outdoors is it brings folks together like you know i could be in a room full of hundred white dudes that all have bow ties and suits on. And I see a black dude who's got real tree on. I'm like, that's, that's my buddy right there. Right. Because we're coming together over our love yeah. for hunting. Who gives a fuck what we look like? You know, we have that baseline of our passions. And I, I think that that's what is so incredible about the outdoors and what I really love about the community and what we're building with, with HLE and just all of the interactions. And I, I talked about, you know, the negative shit earlier, but I mean, that is a fraction of a fraction of a yep. fraction of the percent of, I mean, 99, you know, to the whatever fraction of is so pop positive and across the board with everybody we meet at expos and events and just kick ass, man. It's just an awesome community. The outdoor community as a whole is just badass. Oh, there's nothing like, you know, maybe being at some event that your old lady brings you to and you're like, fuck, I don't know any of these people. And you've got a Vortex shirt on or a King's camo shirt or something. And somebody comes, Oh, you hunt. And then all of a sudden, the rest of the night, you already know, yep. the rest of the night, yep. man, it ain't nothing but hunting, man. Just scrolling through pictures. <laughs> <laughs> you already know, man. Yeah, I mean, I just happened to be, I was at a, a buddy's uh, kid's birthday, you know, and his dad was a big hunter and found out that I saw one of my shirts or hats or whatever and was like, oh, you hunt? I'm like, oh, yeah. And I guess we just sat in the corner the whole time. <laughs> Everybody else was talking about whatever the fuck. Yeah. Yeah. It's so real, man. It, that I think that is like the the shit that brings people together so much is that passion. I mean, I guess probably shared passions in general, but there's something what we found with when we, as we build the Hunt Lifty community, you know, guys that are passionate about their fitness, they're passionate about the outdoors, they're passionate about what they're putting into their bodies and like they're mindful of these things. There's a common denominator for your value set with who you are as a person that I've really found. Like we, I mean, we do interviews for every person that comes onto the team, and man, like I've interviewed hundreds of people, and every single one, you know, with the exception of one or two, is like such a solid fucking person. It, I just, it's cool. It's unique. I think. Oh, a hundred percent, man. And going going back to your point, like you just don't meet a whole lot of shit bags, uh, you know, from 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 the hunting standpoint, I'm not saying we're all saints or anything like that, but, uh, yeah, man, I would agree. Hell yeah. Well, shit, man, we burn, we burn past an hour here. Uh, I think we could, uh, we could definitely do another one. We still got to get you back on talk about your grand slam that you did. I know oh, Perry, will bro. Be, Perry just killed his first Turkey this year. So pretty cool. Oh, that's ass. sick. Hell yeah. It looks yeah, like an know. Eastern. Is that the one behind you? Yes, sir. Sure yeah. is. Yeah. Hell yeah. Dude, man. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah, man. So we'll uh, we'll jump on maybe in the middle of the season, try to do a recap of the season and then talk about the spring, too. Oh, that'll be perfect. 
Hell yeah, man. Well, dude, I appreciate it. I'll turn it over. You got any closing thoughts for us? Oh, uh, no, nah, man. I just appreciate y'all having me on. And, and like I said, I've been following y'all for a while. Y'all are killing shit. And, uh, you know, if anybody wants to uh, kind of follow along with the shit that I've got going on, like we've already talked about, my show's Retired to Hunt. You can find it pretty much anywhere, any of the main stuff. And then uh, I post up on Instagram and it's at, uh, at High Country Jaywalk, High Country underscore Jaywalk, J W A L K. But uh, again, I just want to say I appreciate y'all for having me on. Spend a hell of a time. We could have did this for three hours, man. Oh, yeah. dude. It always goes that way. We yeah, need to do one yeah. in, in person when we got a couple uh, oh. couple more glasses for that bourbon, brother. <laughs> a little bit of that. <laughs> <laughs> Hitting yeah. that basils, yeah. Hey, Hell yeah. yeah. Perry, you got anything? No, nah, man, I, I really appreciate it, Josh. It was awesome to meet you, man. You, you spoke about that passion, the, 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 you know, that decision to go from the NFL and, and, re, and retire to hunt. It comes through when you when you talk about these things, man. So it's uh, it's been awesome to, to listen to you and, and meet you. Appreciate it, Josh. I appreciate you, Perry, man. It was a pleasure. Hell yeah, man. I'm glad we finally got to do this. Look forward to, to one, being able to jump jump together in person, sit down. We're always busy going 100 different directions whenever we link up. So sit down, have, maybe have some lunch, like you said, or uh, we definitely need to get on a hunt one of these days. For a fact, man. All right, brother. I appreciate it. To all of our listeners, as always, we appreciate the hell out of you guys. Thanks so much.